So I'm going to do four songs today that um, weave through the Brahma Viharas and talk a little bit about a few things that relate particularly to parents um, that I hope will be helpful. And I'm going to start with Mudita. Um, That's not the traditional way to start, but it's the song that I think starts us off best. I remember way back when I could barely reach my mama's hand We walked so slow around the block Seeing all there was to see Baby birds and ladybugs Funny clouds, a garden slug And then she'd stop, give me a hug Smile and say these words to me Let's just sit and smell the flowers Let's just while away the hours Oh, there's times we have to hurry Yes, there's things we have to do But today let's take our time And smell the flowers All too soon it's high school years All the pressures, all the fears College looming up ahead Will there be a place for me? There's clubs to join, sports to play It'll look good on my resume It's a game that everybody plays But my mama smiles and says to me You can sit and smell the flowers. You can while away the hours. You can while away the hours. There's deadlines and there's things to do, but most of them can wait. Take a little time to breathe and smell the flowers. Now somehow time has swept me up I'm drinking from that coffee cup I drive and eat and work too much I'm grown up, but I don't feel free And they're talking about a new depression Climate change and insurrection I think we need a new direction My mama's words come back to me We can sit We can sit and smell the flowers while away. We can while away the hours. And it could save our world, save our souls if we slip out of the stranglehold. Take a little time to breathe and smell the flowers. And this is what I do believe Our children just need room to breathe So let's take a breath and sit And smell the flowers So you may have guessed that that was imagined by the wonderful story of Ferdinand the Bull, 
Who knows that story? Yeah, good. A lot of our children don't, so we pick it up. If they haven't heard it yet, pick it up. And um, Mudita is both a quality that arises. It's a quality our children give to us. But this song reminds us that there's something very precious that we can give our children, which is that space that you're giving them at this retreat. Um, And in your daily lives... I'm going to sneeze. Hold on. Whew. Ah, that's what happens when I can't cry during a song. (laughs) It all comes out through my nose. Um, Is that there, as we all know, getting more and more caught up in the busyness of our culture. And it's really an epidemic. I think it's a real illness. And we have medicine for it right here with the Brahma Viharas. But you, all of us, are caught up in it too. You know, we're doing our texting thing and we're, you know, multitasking and we're... Uh, telecommuting, and we, we're caught in it to some degree or other. Some are not, and bless your hearts, and you're very fortunate. And if you are caught in it, bless your hearts. You are not to blame. This is a very difficult culture to stay sane in right now. But our children cry out for it, and their behavior sometimes looks very distressing and difficult but it is so often a cry for just a little more space. And the, the beautiful exercise that Sister um, Ananda Bodhi did with some of us of weaving to the left and the right, or some of you in the room when we did that in a circle, and how when we are kind of all in harmony, it's very easy if we just feel each other. But when we're feeling grumpy, tight, tense, on needs, needs unfulfilled, dissatisfied, whatever, it gets jagged and we start jagging each other and the, the whole circle begins to ripple with unpleasantness. And then she said, maybe all you need to do is just step back. And she had us all step back. And then we had a little more space, and we could be kind of jittery, but we weren't knocking anybody. And we could sort of calm ourselves down. So, you know, the Buddha, I believe it was the Buddha, or maybe it's just a classic Buddhist story that says, what, what do you do with a restless cow? Give it a bigger field. You know? What do you do with a, a, a difficult child? Try to find a bigger field for it, whatever that looks like. And I had a, a very challenging child. And I had to really figure out what kind of feel that child needed. And, you know, the humbling thing about being a parent is that, oh, well, first of all, we come in with the best of intentions. We, like me, read all, if you were me, you read all the right books. I gave birth when Matt was 40. I had time to become the perfect mother before he was ever born because I read all the right books. And I practiced. And I practiced here. So I was, I was good to go. So I was truly shocked by the non-Brahma-vihara feelings that arose in me. <laughs> and it's helpful to know that the Brahma-viharas have, have what's called the near enemy and the far enemy. And the near enemy, for example, of compassion, which is such a beautiful quality when our child is hurting, but the near enemy of it is to kind of go overboard and get too caught up in it and kind of get hysterical ourselves or be so frantic to fix it that we lose perspective. And that's where Upeka, thankfully, comes in. And many of you have heard the story of my Matthew and his skin knee and how I went through all kinds of contortions to heal it, you know. And, and um, he finally just said, Mom, why don't you do something? You know, after I'd done like everything, you know. And this humbling realization that I could not fix this knee. It was going to heal on its own. And he was going to have to live with that and I was going to have to live with that. So that's the near enemy. The far enemy, obviously, is a, is a lack of compassion, a kind of a hardening in the face of pain. And you might think, why would anybody do that? Not a, not a good person like myself. We're all good people. But think about your own conditioning. Think about your own childhood. You know, think about the ways that our pain was not able to be seen 
by the grown-ups around us. They were too busy. They were wounded themselves. They were teaching a class of 30 kids. They didn't have time to sit down and listen. So, you know, there's conditioning in there, and our children trigger our conditioning, don't they? You know, So accept it. Turn it, turn metta toward that too. Oh, this too, you know. And then the near enemy of Upeka, I, I mean, not, oh, sorry, of um, Mudita, I, I think, I don't, I've never heard classically what it may be, but it's, to, again, to kind of get over-involved, to get over-excited about our children's successes, their achievements, their, you know, I got picked to be the, you know, on the, on the best team, I, my essay got read in class, whatever, to get a little too, like, wow, woohoo, you know. Kind of like taking their joy for ours. Taking, I mean, there's a dark side to mudita where we claim our children's achievements because we perhaps didn't achieve that way. And I've done it, and maybe you've done it. If you have a child who's a real sparkler in some area where you weren't, oh my, whew, that's a that's a little trap, isn't it? You know, or if I if I feel like I wasn't very good at something, pushing my child to be good at that thing, sort of like you're going to make up for what I couldn't do. So these are some of the distortions that, are, that we can fall into. And I suppose that, that the enemy of upeka is indifference. It's a little like the enemy of compassion. It's just a, a kind of a too coolness. And I, my nephew, who's never had a good relationship in his life, finally seems to be having a wonderful relationship with a woman who's, they're both in their 40s. She has two or three children, recently divorced, and she's lovely. I've met her, and I think she's terrific. But, and we talked about parenting, and she said that her issue is that she's, and no, I think my nephew said this privately to me, is that she's a little cool with them. She's a very good mother, but there's a certain coolness in the relationship. There's a little bit not enough of that warmth, and, and so maybe that's a little bit the, the dark side of Upeka. And maybe we go there as a way of defending our own pain, or our own fear of too much joy, too much sorrow. Children bring up so much, don't they? They just, it's a constant practice, constant practice. So um, let me do my song then about my son and all of the children who show us how their, their field is too small. And we often mistake it for them being a problem or having even a, a, a mental illness or a neurological disorder. And those things do exist, but, you know, I kind of think that's a little overprescribed these days. And that really it's just that children's natural rhythms and energies don't fit the kind of society we're putting them into very well. The kind of school systems that are uh, often offered to them, not really a good fit for where a child really is. So see what you think as you hear this song. See if you hear a child that you know. Molly's too busy to speak when she's spoken to. Sometimes you think that she's deaf. Try to get her to move. You gotta fight on your hands. She's little but stubborn and tough. Sometimes she gets moving just a little too fast. She bumps and she bruises herself. And some days her wires just get humming until she can't possibly choose to sit still. And we can call her a problem, call it disease, prescribe medication. Cause it's so hard to see that maybe there's nothing so wrong 
Who sets the clock and says what time we're on? Cause every heart beats to a rhythm that's, that's secret and wild. Oh, we just have to move a bit slower with the spirited child. Micah is picky. He spits out his food. His socks must have seams just like razors. So he has to go barefoot, wear his shirts inside out. You can forget about bow ties and blazers. Some kids like to listen to their folks rock and roll. But Micah just covers his ears. Oh, the jangle and the bustle of life as we know it can drive kids like Micah to tears. And we can say he's too sensitive. What's all the fuss? It's best not to spoil him. He's got to adjust. But maybe there's nothing so wrong. Who sets the clock? And says what time we're on Cause every heart beats to a rhythm That's secret and wild Oh, we just have to move a bit closer To the spirited child Marcos gets so excited, he can't wait a minute. He's got to be first every time. To share during circle time, first to get popsicles, first batter up, first in line. And maybe he's trouble and he's hard on the group. He'll strike out if he don't get his way. Others have learned about please, yes, and thank you. But no, it's still mostly what Marcos will say. And we can call him a bully, aggressive and mean. And those labels stick to him till it's all we can see. But maybe there's nothing so wrong. Who sets that clock and says what time we're on? Cause every heart beats to a rhythm that's secret and wild. Oh, we just have to listen more closely to the spirited child. And maybe remember way back who set the clock and tried to keep you on track and did your heart beat to a rhythm so secret and wild well you can feel it again when you dance with the spirited child
That's the gift that we get just from loving that spirited child. <coughs> oh, I almost made it to the end this time. <laughs> How many of you could relate to that as a ch- thinking about your child and children you know? Yeah. I think, you see, I really think all children are spirited. I think that's the nature of children. And then some are just a little more. You know, one of the definitions of a, a spirited child, according to Mary Sheedy Kurchinka, who wrote the classic book, Raising Your Chir- Spirited Child, is it's just a child who's a little more of all the things that children already are sensitive challenged with making transitions, you know, inclined to be a little like me first, you know, that's, that's just childhood. And then the spirited child's just a little more, a little more sensitive, a little more, a little more of this and that. So um, I learned the hard way, because I'm a pretty type A person, believe it or not. I, I know I may seem mellow, but it's come with age. And um, when I was in my 30s and 40s with my child, I was, you know, just, phew, I was on a schedule, and I was on my, on my path. And this child just held me back, doggone it, you know. And, um, but I just learned that it was nicer to just sit down with him for five minutes and listen and breathe with him and then be to school late than to try to drag him out the door with him holding onto the jam by his fingers. It was just too horrible, you know. Like, nobody needs to suffer that way, not me, not him, you know. So our children, you know, awaken all kinds of stuff in us. And, and so does the world. You know, I would wager that both, most of us, having the opportunity to be here, to take time off work, to pay what it costs to get here, um, have lives that are, are fairly comfortable. And don't we want to cling to that? And don't we want to use that to somehow protect our children against the, the pains of life? You know, with the, we have the privilege of being able to pick that wonderful school. You know, we have the privilege of being able to drive our child to the, the wonderful school we want them to go to. We can put them in wonderful summer camps. We can bring them to Spirit Rock. And, and we know that there's still toughness in their lives, but we try to cushion it. And why not? That Why not? There's nothing wrong with that. And the hard truth is that um, life will still intervene. There are things, sickness, old age, and death. There is no gated community that will keep them out. There, you know, there's no vacation home that will keep those things down in the city. And so we all are stricken at some point or another, you know. But here's the good news. Here's the good news about what I'll just call privilege, for lack of a better word, because we are very, very privileged to, to be us and to be in the conditions that we're in. The gift of, um, or the hidden, the dark side, the near enemy, let us say, of privilege is a kind of isolation, a kind of loneliness, a kind of cut-offness from the rest of the world. It's like the near enemy of compassion, which is pity, that distancing of like, poor you, I'm here, I'm not suffering what you're suffering, I will charitably try to help you, but thank God I am not suffering and I never will suffer what you are going to suffer. You know, that's kind of the, the distancing. And, and there's a, a tremendous loneliness in that that I've learned over time as I, I find myself able to move more and more into the world of suffering, into the world of, um, of poverty and hunger 
and uh, violence. Um, not that I live in those communities directly, but thanks to my husband's work, which is all very, very much in those worlds, I'm, I'm drawn into that. And it has un- opened up my heart so much. It's such an opportunity that I wouldn't have had if I had stayed as sheltered as, as my own upbringing was. So, um, in a way, this is a, a, an odd thing to do, but I sing in praise of the unexpected disaster, not because I love it, but because it's inevitable. It's inevitable. And this song I wrote after the Boston Marathon um, bombings. And um, it touches on, on this, this issue. In the middle of a Sorry, new song. In the middle of a moment of joy, in the midst of a crowd, in the middle of a pretty good life, it can all come crashing down. A sudden explosion and a blinding light, or that midnight voice on the phone, The officer in uniform on your front porch And your whole world comes undone Cause our lives are not our own Our time is not our own Our plans are just our plans It's not in our hands Not in our hands down the street who lost her child you meant to visit but time slipped away you bring some flowers and a casserole send a prayer because there's not much to say it's always happening to someone else till the day it happens to you And in the middle of a pretty good life The unthinkable becomes true Cause our lives are not our own Our time is not our own Our plans are just our plans It's not in our hands Not in our hands story on the evening news, a quiet village, a faraway place, a wedding party dancing in the street, then a drone lays them all to waste. I turn the channel back to music. I turn my heart toward the pain 
The world is turning into my neighborhood And I just can't turn away Cause our lives are not our own Sing with me Our time is not our own Our plans, our plans are just our plans It's not in our hands, not in our hands Our lives, our lives are not our own Our time is not our own Our plans are just our plans It's all in our hands, not in our hands not in our that's not the end (laughs) and thank you for going there with me you know thank you for going there with me it's um, a little challenging to bring that piece of our lives into a day on mudita Um, but I I just feel like you know we're a better place to hold that together you know we have the strength we have the depth of heart and practice and openness to, to let it all in to let it all in so a couple of quick stories just to, to round that out. Um, I have a, a friend whose child was the first pediatric AIDS patient at Stanford Medical back in the probably the 80s when it was a very, very new epidemic, and he was the first child that they'd ever treated. And, of course, they lost this child. She has other children who have grown up healthy. He was a, they were all hemophiliacs and that's how he, he got AIDS. And she told me just what has happened to their lives because of that loss, because of that unspeakable, unthinkable tragedy. She took the kids to McDonald's one day for burgers, and this was a few years after the child had died, and they were in their teens. And just everybody having a normal life, eating their burgers, and in came a family with a little Down syndrome child. And you know how just they just are in their own place and how they were trying to help the child get napkins and whatnot. And other people were kind of just pulling away and looking away, and, you know, that just like, oh, don't want to look, don't want to not look, whatever. And her children just spontaneously got up and helped the child because their hearts had been broken, open, and they had a compassion that, that can't come from being always protected. It can only come from being broken. So I and I... My loss, one of my losses was when I was very young, when I was 18 years old, I had a baby. I've talked about this here before. And um, that in and of itself was a bit of a shock um, to my, my young life and to my parents, my minister's family life. And I gave birth to that baby, and it was the greatest joy I'd ever known. <laughs> and um, and don't, don't get upset by this, because it's, it's all okay. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I'm telling you a difficult story, but it's really, really wonderful. To me, there's a lot of joy underneath all this. And it's because, of course, if you live to tell the tale, at some point, it's integrated into a life that's a pretty good life. 
and then it's a joyful story of, of survival. So this baby died of, of SIDS when she was little, five weeks old. And um, it certainly devastated this young life, you know, this young woman. But over the years, I've come to see that I could not write the songs I write if I hadn't been broken in that way. And I really couldn't share with you as parents it without that. And I sing at um, hospice gatherings, and I sing at um, parents of bereaved children gatherings. And, you know, I don't just sing about this stuff, but there's something that I know has come through my music that is because that beautiful child gave me her life. And then it, it, it went, and I lived through that. So, this, you, and you all know, you all have a story. We could sit now and just tell our stories and of what good has come from those stories. I mean, I know some of you very well, and I know some of your stories. So, Upeka, Upeka. Time gives us the gift of Upeka. You know, Upeka to me is all about distance and perspective. And whether it takes a long time to see the gift in these things, or whether our practice becomes healthy and whole and deep to the point where we can actually, in the moment, or almost in the moment, say, ah, this too. And it seems like a, a disaster, you know, the old good luck, bad luck story, you know, of something good happens, oh, goody, goody, and then it gets taken away, oh, bad, and then something good comes along. Our lives are just like that. It's all good luck, bad luck. It just keeps going that way to the end, you know. Upeka helps us stand in the middle of it all, doesn't it? So... Two years ago, my, my father died, and some of you were here the summer that I got the news right before the retreat and went up right after the retreat. And <laughs> I packed a suitcase for a two-week vacation, and I stayed two months. And it was beautiful, and I sat with him. I was with him the whole time, and it was life-changing. And um, the gifts of the, uh, the heavenly messengers are such gifts, sickness, old age, and death. Such beauty, such pain such everything. <laughs> so, so, since my dad died, I've been writing all these songs about impermanence, because that's really what Upeka is, is, is impermanence. The teaching of impermanence gives us Upeka. When we know that nothing is going to last for long, we can just let it be. You know? not, and not in the cool way, not in the detached way, but just like, it's all just happening. You know, and it's all passing through. So I want to close, and then we can maybe talk for a few moments um, with a um, a new song. That so, it's so funny. I find this a very joyful song. I find it a very upeka song, and it's just about the inevitability of all of us dying. Woohoo! <laughs> it's got a nice chorus. You can sing with me. I won't be long for this world, but I belong to this world. Is it wrong to love this world when it won't be long till I'm gone from this world? So next time you'll sing with me. My daddy's gone from this world. But 
Every time I think of him, I'm just a little girl riding high up on his shoulder. And to this day, I hear him say, Light someone's way. We're here to help each other. I won't be long, I won't be long for this world, for this world. But I belong, but I belong to this world, to this world. Is it wrong? Is it wrong to love this world when it won't be long, when it won't be long till I'm gone from this world? Nice. Try singing it with a smile, too. It, it's nice. <laughs> My mama dwells beneath my skin When I see her face, hear her voice I'm whole again I can't imagine a world where she is gone But you'll see her smile inside my eyes You'll hear her voice inside my song It won't be long And it won't be long for this world, but I belong to this world. Is it wrong? Is it wrong to love this world when it won't be long till I'm gone from this world? This is to all of us who are partnered with someone we love. Or just any friend that you love. You and me are tender friends. Two old trees grown together, bound by root and limb, battered by storms and blessed by laughter. And one may fall, the other stand, still giving shade to the ones come after. I won't be long for this world, but I belong to this world. Is it wrong to love this world when it won't be long till I'm gone from this world? It won't be long till I'm gone from this world well that was that was sure a journey wasn't it (laughs) wow thank you so we have a few minutes if there's just anything in your heart of any nature this is the time and I'm sorry, we should have left like a half hour to process this, but it'll, it'll come out in its own ways. It'll come out between families and friends and, and um, in, the, in, the, in the parent groups tonight. But please, let's hear just a little bit from you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.